This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, how you doing today? As mentioned in the daily financial news and that little video I snuck in before we joined Anna, Fannie Mae has changed the rules for investors. So she and I own a bunch of properties, uh, different residential up through commercial. And, uh, you know, I thought we would talk about it. We have both been through 20 years of this. And let's just say lending has changed a lot. Right. And uh, this isn't the last time it'll change, but this time is kind of different. So uh, good morning, Anna. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. So when you heard about this uh, letter that uh, that Fannie Mae sent out and they were changing the rules and they were going to basically have a cap uh, of seven percent, you know, basically as the buyer. What, what did you think when you heard that? Um, you know, what, what came across your mind? The first thing was it doesn't surprise me because we've been talking about since this pandemic hit and even since before then when we knew a recession could be on the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. That every time we hit a recession, it's about six to 12 months of a lag before the banks start to freak out. They look at things and they say, well, let's see how things are going to go. And about six months later, they're like, okay, this is serious. This thing's staying. We need to change our rules. And it takes them about six months to get it done, to get it. And look, here we are like exactly a year after things started shutting down. So I've actually been talking about that for about a year and a half as I, as I believed we were heading into recession to say, listen, people, you got to get ready because even though things are good, if we have a downturn, because we were in the largest expansion period since Abraham Lincoln, right? Mm -hmm. If we have a downturn, lending will tighten. Now, regardless of what happens with rates, right? The lenders start tightening and that makes it harder for you to get loans, even if rates are good and even if there's property available. And I experienced that through the 2009 crash. And so lending really tightened, but it took them about a year to really change all the rules. So did not surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll be interesting to see the extent of some of those changes, but essentially they are going to require higher credit scores and a um, an underwriting that goes through a specific model um, that doesn't have a whole lot of variability and subjectivity to the decisions. Yeah, and let's just educate people watching this because again, a lot of new investors think the bank makes the rules. Now, if your bank holds the loan on their books, they're free to do what they want, right? Whoever has the money makes the rules. Most banks in this environment, they pool them, right? They 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 take your loan, you know, Sally Jane or, you know, Mark, whatever, and they package it up with another hundred of them. And then they sell them to Fannie Mae, right? So real in reality, Fannie Mae makes the rules because they are the in buyer of what is now, you know, now called a mortgage-backed security. So when they change the rules of what they will buy, it really means also what they won't buy, which is why yes. banks will ultimately reciprocate. Because again, most of them are in the business of doing the loan, collecting the fees, selling it to Fannie, getting the money back so they can do it again and again and again, right? So uh, again, when Fannie Mae says what they will buy, they also are saying what they won't buy. So expect higher rates, higher fees, higher LTVs, higher credits. Lots of things could come, right? 
Yeah, for sure. So, so Fannie makes the general rules about in order for us to know that this is, you know, a quality paper that we're selling or B quality paper that they're selling or whatnot, they have different tiers of um, mortgages, depending on how qualified the property and the buyer are. And so there's, you know, different rules for top credit versus someone that, you know, has a below a 700 score, for example, and they're packaged differently because they're sold as a security on the secondary market. So what Freddie and Fannie do with them is they take them and then they sell them on the secondary market to investors like mutual funds within your 401k. So they're buying these supposed to be low risk mortgages. And so they want to make sure that they're underwritten in a low risk way. Right. And so basically every time you go to like a big bank, like a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a Bank of America or a broker, they're underwriting your deal based on a, a software and a matrix that Fannie puts out that says, here's how we're going to underwrite it. So for example, you can't have more than 10 properties in your own name. That's a rule that us as investors see quite frequently, mm-hmm. right? Or you have to have so many months of money in reserves in order to qualify or a certain credit score. So you have all this, you have this matrix of check boxes that the underwriter has to go through. And typically what happens is if that qualifies or there's a few small exceptions, a manual underwriter can make a few exceptions, note it and still sell it. Well, what they're kind of pushing back now is saying these investor loans have to go through the desktop underwriting software. So they have to meet the criteria. And oh, by the way, we're going to tighten the criteria and we'll let you know what that that new criteria is April 1st. So some of the variability goes out. But the other thing that's really important for people to know, Michael, is that if they won't buy the note, basically the mortgage underwriter, the the mortgage company writing it will be forced to keep it on their books. So instead of most banks, they take a fee for doing the deal, then they sell it and then they're out. They might buy back the servicing, but usually they don't, right? The bigger ones do, but usually they don't. So you've got now a bank that has to say, we're willing to take this risk and keep it on our books because we can't sell it. Mm -hmm. And that makes banks really nervous. And if they are going to keep it, they basically become a portfolio lender. They're going to have something called overlays, which are even tighter rules than what Fannie says in their underwriting. So Not to get too long-winded, but I'll just give you an example of one. Mm -hmm. There are banks who, even though Fannie will allow you to have 10 mortgages in your first name, they cap you at four because they only want you, they don't want big real estate investors on their books. They want people that have less than four properties. So lenders can have these overlays with higher credit score requirements, higher reserve requirements, you know, things like that, that make it even harder than it is to do the deal with Fannie. And those things are coming soon too. I guarantee you. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I'm when I when I've been reading this, and again, you and I experienced 08. So first thing that hit me is why, right? That's that's like why are they doing this now, right? In theory, we're coming out of a recession, or at least the next year. Like the GDP is going to go up this year. I think everybody agrees on that. Last year was horrible. Why are they doing it now? So the first thing I thought was. Are they seeing stuff in the underlying data, maybe with the mortgage forbearance when, because again, they have access to data that we don't have, right? Are they looking at all their forbearance and going, oh my God, investors make up 20% or 25%, whatever it is. 
where owner occupants are okay. Or, right, are they looking at this, well, owner occupants, we're going to slap a second on and they're going to be fine. We know how to handle them, but we don't know how to handle investors because we don't know about the eviction moratoriums and all these other things. And the asset maybe has gone down in quality because the, the borrower couldn't afford to, I mean, all these things in my head, I just kept asking why, why, and why now? Yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's all the same questions we're asking, right, Michael? I mean, how long is this pandemic going to last? How long is the legislative risk going to be there that you know the the government says you still can't evict people? Um, is there going to be more legislation that it makes it you know harder to get bad paying tenants out? You know, even if if you can collect something, um, what's going to happen with interest rates too? Because another thing that people don't think about is a lot of investors do not actually have loans that are fixed for 30 years. Their rates reset. So some investors who have properties that want to refi into, into a fanny, you know, conventional deal, they're in, you know, locked into, you know, a five-year term. And if rates go up, their payments could go up. So if rates go up, if payments go up, and then tenants can't pay, that could be pretty disastrous. Yeah. And I know, you know, I play in the bigger multifamily space. And so Fannie and Freddie also issue larger commercial debt. And they have something called small balance loans, which are a million to, to five, and then five million plus are the, the conventional large commercial loans. And I do know for a fact that the small balance loans, those investors who had property loans of one to five million dollars, had significantly higher forbearances than those wow. that were larger than five million. And so hmm. what's already happened behind the scenes in the commercial side of Fannie is they started requiring a year of reserves of taxes, insurance, and mortgage payments for all small balance loans. And by the way, the rates were one and a quarter percent higher than if you went to a $5 million loan. And there's reasons for that. But what they know is that the smaller landlords are struggling more. Um, that doesn't tell you the whole picture, right? But there are a lot of landlords who are struggling because of eviction moratoriums and the pandemic to the point that they're illiquid and therefore had to take a forbearance because you can't even take a forbearance unless you're illiquid and don't have money set aside in reserves to cover the lack of tenants paying. So I do believe that if that's happening in the one to $5 million range, it's probably happening even greater for landlords that have properties that are, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar mortgages with Fannie today. Yeah, well, I think so. A, I didn't have that data or that experience. I don't play there very often. Um, certainly, never over five million. I've, I've played above a million a couple of times, uh, but that's interesting um, because, yeah, that that well, that's that well, that's interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that makes sense why Fannie is adjusting now because they don't want to add on top, right? They already have a problem. It's kind of known or expected. And they're just saying, hey, we're going to slow this down so it doesn't grow bigger, right? The tsunami doesn't get bigger. That makes sense. But again, as a individual who is fairly liquid and done this before, I got to tell you, it makes me a little excited. <laughs> Selfishly, <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I think they do see more pain ahead. And We've talked about this too, and we might be a little bit on a different page, but I think there's more pain ahead too. You know, a lot of the companies that haven't laid off yet haven't laid off because there's been another round of PPP and stimulus. And so if you keep propping up companies with really low interest debt, they can hang on a little bit longer. But 
is the consumer spending coming back strongly enough that those goods and services will continue to be sold mm -hmm. and at a price point that can allow them to pay off their debt to the government with all these new loans? I think um, there's probably more pain ahead. And if there are more, is more pain ahead and there are more layoffs, um, if, if layoffs result in less housing demand and people need more affordable homes, you can see a bump in um, vacancies and a bump in collections that could make um, housing values come down mm -hmm. um, because housing in some way is in, it's valued based on the net operating that income that it generates. Mm -hmm. And if those values come down, banks also don't want to be on the hook at a value that's here today yeah. that in two years may be down 20%. And yeah. so that's another reason I think this is happening because they see a, a real estate market that still seems to be overheated, despite the fact that we're in a recession and a pandemic that is not over yet, could get worse. Mm -hmm. And what will that do to the value of the loans that they're issuing today and the quality of the loans that they're issuing today? So I think they seem more pain ahead. I do too. And as an investor who's a long-term buy and hold investor on most of my properties, I'm not too worried that values may come down for a couple of years because I'm holding them till they come back up anyway, right? Mm -hmm. It's that good tenant quality that helps you to weather these storms more than anything. For sure. But as a buyer, I will be excited when property values come down because I will buy more. Absolutely. And that's where having the experience and the good credit quality already. And having good liquidity and reserves is going to be really important to be able to continue to get loans when prices do come down. Yeah, just one last one last topic I was thinking on this, trying to look at all the angles, right? And this one may just be out there, may even be a conspiracy. So if you don't like it, just tell me I'm wrong and I'll forget <laughs> about it. But one of the things I'm thinking about, again, going back to the current administration, is they made it very clear that they are owner-occupant focused. They want to see home ownership go up. I think that is a fair statement. So I'm like, okay, if that's one of their stated goals and you know, 15K credit or whatever else is coming, one of the things they need to do is they need to squeeze out investors because you and I both know in some markets, investors are dominating and cash buyers and all these things we hear about. I'm wondering if they're like, well, you know what? One way we can slow that down is just buy less of them, right? Because right now about one out of every 10 loans is an investor loan. And if we take it, you know, from 10% to 7%, that squeezes, that squeezes out, we raise costs, maybe they, maybe we can buy less. Do you think that has anything to play with it, right? Are they playing chess and doing these moves early? Or is it just, hey, they've got bad loans, they see them, they want to, you know, reduce the flow? That's really interesting. I've not thought about that. It, that never crossed my mind. Um, <laughs> would it surprise me? <laughs> Nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. But I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think, though, you know, that they probably are thinking about there are a lot of new investors. Anytime real estate goes really up and it keeps going up for a couple of years, you get a lot of new people that want to start playing the game. Oh, yeah. You've got yeah. more shows and conferences. And so they've got a lot of newer investors trying to get in at every size property. And so a lot of newer investors coming in have more risk just because they don't really know what they're doing. They haven't been through all of the pain. And so I, I do know, for example, back to the Fannie on the larger side is they, they used to allow a lot of newer investors to come in. Now they want to make sure that there are experienced partners on the team 
that there's experienced property management companies. They make us provide our property management agreements and you know, make sure that we're providing quarterly financials so that they know we know what we're doing and we're gonna stay stable. So they've already tightened their rules on not working with new investor groups that don't have experience. And it wouldn't surprise me if rules are really to lower the risk of the deals that they do do by making sure that they're working with really high quality, you know, good credit, good experienced um, buyers, mm-hmm. more so than trying to weed out all investors. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say is this is really about reducing risk as opposed to reducing demand, which is okay. I mean, I just I'm trying to look at all the angles. So makes total sense. Thank you for this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. You're so welcome.